The FCC tells Cumulus in no uncertain terms, grow up, you guys. iHeart has a new auto NTR opportunity, but they've been keeping it pretty quiet. Words fail for Wendy McMahon, the head of the CBS TV stations. Hey, good morning. We're back with another edition of Media Insultant. That's Keith Samuels. Keith, say good Friday morning because it is Friday now. Yep, good Friday. I'm recovering from uh, St. Patty's Day, and uh, I'm uh, ready to go. Had my corned beef and cabbage and whiskey, and uh, now I'm ready. Yeah, I don't think you were recovering from the corned beef. Uh, I'm Jackson Weaver <laughs> in Seattle. Keith's down in Southern California. We do this each tu- uh, Tuesday and Friday now. So today, right. let's uh, welcome you to the Friday, March 18th episode of Media Insultant. Good morning. Our first Friday show today. We're no longer dropping on Tuesday and Thursday, now Tuesday and Friday. So are people going to get used to this? Well, you know, the thousands of viewers and listeners, uh, you know, better get used to it because that's when it's coming. We just wanted to give you more time to absorb the Tuesday brilliance of Media Insultant. And now you have kind of the Friday end of the week recap and then the weekend to listen at your leisure as you're driving to your kid's soccer game or, uh, you know, home from the club, whatever it might be, on your way to the beach on Sunday here in L.A. So, yeah, giving you a lot more chances and a little bit longer uh, runway to uh, to absorb all our brilliance. And believe me, we're full of it on Friday. We are, we are, we are full of brilliance and wisdom. That's exactly right. And in this evolving media landscape, our wisdom tells us that the FCC seems less relevant every day. I mean, you know, think about it, Keith. Google, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all the music streaming services, Spotify, etc., all the OTT platforms, Hulu, Netflix, yep. HBO, none of them have any government supervision at all like the FCC has over us poor little radio and TV stations. And the real problem right. is increasingly all those big tech uh, media platforms suck the dollars in their direction and those of us with traditional over-the-air have to deal with the FCC. And, and, you know, I don't know if people realize it, but, you know, we have to retain a lawyer. We have to keep up with all the rules and regulations. There are all kinds of technical requirements. We file annual reports of all kinds, ownership, technical changes. This just goes on and on. We pay a license fee, and we have to be aware of EEO requirements and file EEO reports. Mm-hmm. I mean, the list is endless. So recently, when Cumulus screwed up an EEO file a few years ago, the FCC, of course, had to come out and strut their stuff and come down on them like a ton of shit. And what did they do wrong? Yep. We're going to make an example out of you. You know, you, yeah, we're going to make an example out of you. You know, shame on you. Wrist slap, wrist slap. Well, you know, they and failed. So what, what, what happened? It was, Go ahead. Yeah. What happened? Well, what happened what is it, they failed so, to update what, their EEO file. That's that's simple. How do you they fail an, to do that? You're that's the that's that's one of the main things you have to do. How do you fail to do that? And that's the well, that's where the story gets kind of interesting because they find the uh, they find Cumulus thirty two thousand dollars for it. Cumulus comes back and says, "Hey guys, you know, um, whoops, we lost a business manager and." Uh, 
talk about throwing somebody under the bus, and the new manager wasn't up to <laughs> speed, and, you know, gosh, we're really sorry. And then to add, you know, to, to add insult to injury in terms of the FCC, they asked for a reduction of fine, pleading that it was tough times for the radio business. So what did the commission say? Nada. Uh, no. <laughs> Not even close. You have three hundred. Yeah, you have three hundred million dollars in cash on hand. You're gonna you're gonna write the check for thirty two thousand dollars and get us. Yes. When was the last time anybody fined Spotify or fined Pandora or fined Pluto TV? Well, they, 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 no one did because they didn't have they don't have these restrictions on them, and the FCC exists to fine people. They exist to find this stuff. You've got to keep your your EEO stuff. You know now now this this happened in Albany Albany Georgia, right? Right. And 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 the manager's been there six and a half years. I think Kay Evans is the market manager according to LinkedIn. But she's also been a manager. She's been a GM for over uh, almost three decades. You know, come on, Kay. You know you have to have this done. This is this is absolutely required. This is one of those most important parts of the FCC reporting process. Is your EEOC activity? Hello. I, I don't know how. A, I, I'm just shocked that this happened, and B, not shocked that the FCC said you pay up, kids. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put on your big boy pants. You know the interesting thing about this is <laughs> is the commission really is often very lenient on fines with particularly with small broadcasters. Remember a couple of years ago they wanted to fine a broadcaster some twenty thousand dollars because his. This was when you had to have a studio in the city of license. His was across the street from the city of license line. So he technically was out of the city of license by the yeah. width of a street. Well, they they waived that. They let that go. So they've been very lenient on, with a lot of broadcasters. But, boy, they just don't have any sympathy for Cumulus this time. And, frankly, they shouldn't have to. Cumulus has got an infrastructure that they shouldn't have to worry about this kind of stuff. But interestingly, final note, uh, the FCC, though, they can impose a fine on a station. They have no mechanism for collecting it. So some of these stations will go decades and not pay a fine. The only time they have to do pay a fine is to um, is in the case of a license transfer. The FCC, other than that, has no way of, of collecting the fine. So we'll see whether Cumulus pays up or decides to put it in doubtful receivables so or doubtful payables as it were the cbs tv station's president wendy mcmahon blabs some nonsense keith but first iheart is expanding in what i think is a pretty good idea uh they've had uh, who knew they had an automotive lead generation platform called owners buy back did you know anything about this had you ever heard of it no, no. I, I thought their automotive group was about selling more airtime on iHeart stations and their radio networks and their podcasts and their their streams. But apparently, they do have this call center that does uh, inside sales work, essentially, for uh, for car dealers around the country. I had no idea. I didn't either. And, and of course, the idea is that they contact individual owners, private owners, and try to buy their cars, kind of a cash on the barrel for private individuals. Which, you know, you see Carvana trying to do a lot of that these days. And the problem is, of course, the automobile industry doesn't have any inventory. Now, I've heard that it's loosening up a little, but not really. iHeart, though, claims they do about $50 million last year worth of deals. So let's put that in perspective. $50 million, but an average Ford dealership does $60 million. So for iHeart to claim $50 million in a nationwide effort, eh, 
you know, that's not so much, and it's you can't have any margin. I mean, this is basically lead gen. How how much are they going to pay? I said five points. You said ah, never. What do you think? Yeah, <laughs> one. You know, okay. Uh, three. You know, again and again, I look at that fifty million dollars like the way we used to uh, track and track and report NTR. Remember non traditional revenue NTR. Or sure. as my friend Clancy Woods like to say, I'll tell you what NTR is. It's every piece of business that doesn't come out of Western international media. That's NTR. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's like whatever you want it to be. It's a made up number. And by the way, they're not. They're just kind of helping facilitate this stuff. They're not closing those deals. That deal has to take place at a dealership. So they're just. You're right. They're doing lead gen. They're getting people to bring their car into the dealership to sell it to the dealer, so they'd have some used car inventory. Yeah, I, 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 who knew that this was going on? But I guess it's a, it's, it's pretty, uh, pretty serious business if you've got two hundred people sitting in Nashville, doing uh, this kind of outreach twenty four seven. It's amazing. Well, I think there's another foot to come down on this story. I can't imagine two hundred guys creating fifty million dollars worth of business. That that doesn't make any sense. But maybe but, in their what, spare yeah, time. What caught our, go ahead. <laughs> right. But what caught our attention was they just inked a deal with the Cox owned Cox Automotive, which is a division of Cox Enterprises, which used to be a sister company, well sort still sort of is with the Cox Media Group. But the automotive division of Cox is massive massive. They bought some automotive publications a couple of decades ago, and with that deal came something called Mannheim Auto Auctions, which is mm-hmm. is a massively profitable used car marketplace. It's where dealers go and buy their used cars from each other, right? I mean, it's amazing. And part of that also came with it, uh, or they acquired over the years, the Kelly Blue Book, which is kind of like the Bible for used car valuations in uh, in the automobile business, right? And so what's the deal that they've just done and was announced with Kelly Blue Book? Well, and that's the question, is what is the deal? They're going to handle the back end? Are they going to do any promotion? Uh, they, you know, I, I don't know. They've, they've been very vague about exactly what they're going to be doing. But, you know, the, the, well, the truth in, is... In the, pre- in, the press release, in the press release, it was pretty clear. What Kelly Blue Book is doing is they're offering their dealer clients this service. And this service is that they're going to help these clients get more used car inventory by offering to buy. So, 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 so uh, if, I'm a, if I've got you know, an eight-year-old Civic in the driveway and I want to sell it, I'm going to go on to KBB and I'm going to see what my value is. And the KBB program links me to a dealership who would offer to buy that car from me for cash. And so I can do that electronically. I go, yeah, I'm kind of interested in that. And KBB will give you an offer for your car electronically. And according to the press release, this triggers the 200 guys on a phone in, uh, in a call center in Nashville to call you in person two minutes after you've gotten that, that cash offer from Kelly Blue Book, okay? And say, Jackson, dude, dude, Jackson, we just sent you that offer, buddy. You going to do the deal? Come on. Let's get to, uh, let's see what the dealer is. Oh, yeah, let's get to Ed Steeman Chevrolet. And, you know, Ed's ready to write you that check. So make sure you, let's, let's make that happen, right? We're going to do that, right? Want me to make up the appointment? I'm going to call Ed right now, and we're going to make that appointment for you right now. So what they're doing is they're helping facilitate and close that deal, that digital deal, with a live person who's then going to make that happen. So I guess they're going to get commission on those. Well, but what you're saying, but Kelly Blue Book has been doing this. They've had a cash buyback program for some right. time. What, what I'm hearing right. you say, and this may be what I missed, was that now 
iHeart is taking their 200 guys who are on the phone all day long and using them to support Kelly Blue Book's cash back offers. That is that essentially what you're seeing? That's the deal. Yep, okay. that's the thing. Okay. They promise to call. They call somebody after a digital deal has been offered within two minutes. Well, let's see what Ed Steenman, our auto guru, says. We'll <laughs> call him up and talk to him in the next week or so and see what he has to say about it. But uh, moving on oh, from I, the, I guarantee, uh, I guarantee you, Ed will have something to say about it. I love it. Let's get him on the. Let's get him on the show. He will. He will. We've been watching CBS TV a lot lately. Uh, we we think the co-presidency is kind of problematic. And so we've kind of kept an eye on what they're doing as they slash budgets here. Wendy McMahon, who's in charge of the television station side of it, has basically turned over all the GMs, so totally new management. And then comes this video that just stunned both of us that uh, she posted on TV News Check. Just a complete lack of vision. Lots of words, but... Watch as she describes a future vision of exactly what has been the relationship between local and network stations for 50 or 60 years. And our question is, how is this leadership and how is this creating a vision? But you decide. Here's Wendy McMahon. The unification of news and stations was really um, a vision of George Cheeks in the belief that by bringing together our journalists, our coverage, our content, from local to global, that we could basically power um, the next generation of news products, programs, streams, channels, et cetera. And so Neeraj and I um, were very much brought in to help realize that vision. And how it helps the network is that when you think of the local connections that are had, the grassroots journalism that happens city by city, community by community, no one's in a better position to ultimately deliver on that than local reporters. And so bringing the groups together and having that immediately part of how we work, part of standard operating procedure, it just eliminates a lot of the asks and the phone calls and the Kenwees and Woodways. Mm-hmm. And then from a local perspective, again, from a storytelling angle, the the heroes and the champions and the context and the perspective on a big story. So much of that happens and comes together locally. When those stories are put together for a local newscast, to think about the stage and the platform from exposing those in CBS Weekend News or on CBS Mornings or on CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, that's an opportunity that local journalists want, and and now they have it as part of this unified pipeline. So we talk a lot about this vision of, you know, content and journalists flowing like water across network news, across stations, in the interest of our audiences, in service to our viewers. And we already have any number of examples to point to as to how that's working exceptionally well, especially so on the streaming side of it, too. Keith, everybody knows TV has a core problem, both local and national news. Did you hear any answers in that video? No, no, (laughs) no, not very helpful. Not sure what to do. Not sure what she means. She really failed to save or to solve any kind of problem. 
I mean, you know, CBSN is um, is trying some things with nonlinear viewing, but basically all she's proposing is to give local journalists a chance to be on the CBS Evening News with uh, and, Nor- and CBS yeah, with, Evening with Nor- News. O'Donnell. Nora, Nora, Nora O'Donnell. Nora yeah. Right. Thank you. Thank you. I, yeah, it's just yeah. and the fun story. Uh, the, the, the fun. Yeah, the fun story that came out last week is that Nora O'Donnell's being. Uh, Portrayed as a as a just an outrageous prima donna, uh, demanding and impossible to work with, and and some critics are saying that's just the setup to fire her and her big salary, because she's making I don't know six to eight million dollars a year, something like that. Uh, you know, CBS has had their own group of O and O television stations for what since the forties, since the early fifties. Yeah, when early the group 50s. was put together. Right. Yeah, um, and. Uh, um, and haven't they, the, the O&O group, like in Los Angeles or Chicago or uh, Philadelphia, haven't, haven't they been feeding the network in New York stories from their markets since that time? Well, I sure. think so. And so and, you know, this, this is nothing new, but, it's, it's, but it sounds so cool, you know. Yeah, we're going to be providing content, you know, organically and from, you know, the ground up and from local. And it's like, yeah, uh-huh. Well, we've been doing that for a long time. You know, and by the way, at local stations, all you're trying to do at a local station is create traffic for your local station website. You, you know, the network, you really don't care about, really, the network, whatever. You know, it's about how do I generate traffic and, and, and video streams of, of KCBS TV Channel 2 in L.A., you know, or... Uh, well, even, even just, the locals, not... Like, the local non-owned stations, Keith, too. You know, CBS has dozens of affiliates yeah. that, that are unowned by, they're owned by other uh, other groups, and they've all been feeding stories. In particular, the last ten years, it's gotten real easy to feed a story to to the network. It used to be you had to have a satellite dish and all that, but that's been going on and on. And the thing I find so disappointing is CBS is in the perfect place to redefine news going forward, TV news. But I think their current their Concerned about cannibalizing the current linear newscast, still has an audience and quite a bit of revenue. I don't know. I, my thought is, uh, you know, if if you look at the way people consume media today, if they did kind of a TikTok of news, I think that could be really interesting. But this is not a vision that anybody really wants to follow. So, Wendy, yeah, yeah, and and, and, on to- and on top of that, there's this nervous habit that she has when she's speaking and her presenting that where she's she's looking off to the left you know period it's like this it's like this tick that you know it's like you know just focus on the camera just stay straight ahead look at them look at the camera there's nothing out there to look at look at the camera and that's hard that's hard to do wendy's been around long enough to know that so somebody's going to knock on her door and go you know what don't look up to the left all the time okay not a good habit look somebody's going to knock camera. on her door and say don't don't talk <laughs> yeah, about yeah. a vision and, that doesn't exist <laughs> yeah is it, one, one final point is the other problem she's up against is that a lot of her affiliates not her o and o's but the affiliates now are owned by station groups that are developing their own national news platforms Okay, at Gray and Sinclair, and they've all got their new their their own news platforms that they're doing national network news to their own owned stations, and those groups are a lot bigger than Wendy's group at CBS. So, you know, who do I feed to? Do I feed to CBS? Do I feed to my Sinclair network? Uh, it's uh, there's a lot going on out there in TV land that's making this more complicated, and that's my thought for the day. Well, I'm glad that's your thought. Wrap it up. We're damn out of time. <laughs> Gotta run. But 
Media Insultant is a production of InTown Media. We do this each Tuesday and now Friday on your favorite podcasting platform, or the video is on Vimeo in the Media Insultant Showcase. Things are picking up here in the media world, Keith. We'll be here to comment on them. So till next week, cheers, my friend. <laughs>